This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and your one-stop shop for optimizing all your office technology. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. J.J. Watt in the backfield. J.J. Watt, baby. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown. Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Kyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the guys who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. Well, we should probably start every edition of Cardinals Underground by just managing expectations. <laughs> I, I think it kind of goes unsaid, though. Uh, you know, Darren Urban right there with an acknowledging laugh. You know, yes. Danny Sarek, most especially yours truly, Paulie Podcast. Just going to say right off the top, please, nobody out there can you expect in any way that we'll match the introduction that Cameron Poe from Con Air put on at <laughs> Packers camp. Uh, oh, I'm so. I mean, uh, MVP Aaron Rodgers in the way. I mean, Danny, you must have really appreciated the way Aaron Rodgers walked into Packers camp, considering you were the person who perpetrated the April Fool's joke again with the whole Nicolas Cage thing. You must have really appreciated that. Of course. You know, I need to reach out to uh, the two people that I pulled that prank on and see what they thought of his look. Actually, thank you for reminding me. <laughs> The uh, Darren, I mean, come on now. Uh, what, how how premeditated was oh, that Aaron Rodgers? The first thing I thought of, to be honest, was everybody was talking all last season about his hair and how he was doing that, and then it turned out in late October that he acknowledged the whole reason he grew out his hair was because he was planning on going uh, on Halloween as John Wick. So all I could think of yesterday was, okay, he didn't even give anybody any kind of uh, – reason to doubt what he's going to be at Halloween this year. It's just going to be Cameron Poe from the the fine movie Con Air, Nicolas Cage's character. So, yeah. And you know, you know you forget, at least I did. You know, I was reminded and then I forgot again after Danny's April Fools joke and then I saw it again. Nicolas Cage did win an Oscar for best actor and and, and leaving Las Vegas. So, I was going to say fool. not in Con Air. Yeah, no, absolutely not. And then it just uh so let's just put it this way. Aaron Rodgers has had a uh, much better second half to his career than, than Nicolas Cage has had. There's no doubt about it. I'm a huge Th- I'm a huge The Rock fan, by the way, though. Not the wrestler The Rock, the movie The Rock. So I just Here's the thing, sure. though. You guys were out there watching the Cardinals enter camp. Yes. While yours truly is still a Casa Galvisi, it's a long <laughs> story, but I'm dialing into this edition of Cardinals Underground. All I had to go on was the 38-second video montage that Cardinals content team tweeted out. And, and based on that, I, I, I can glean a couple of things. You guys ready for my takeaways based on the 38-second video that was tweeted out of the Cardinals entering camp? Go Here right we go. ahead. We, right. We're waiting. D-Hop has one cool classic car, and, and I give extra respect to anybody who drives a convertible in Arizona in July. So I think his conditioning is pretty good if he can handle the convertible in the top down. But real quick, I, wanna, I, I do want to say I was a little – nervous yesterday to be driving with a convertible and leaving the top down as you go in and knowing that it has rained out here and actually drizzled a little bit last night too i don't i don't know what ended up happening there but i used to do that every single year in flagstaff when the cardinals were up there i would leave my sunroof open a little bit to mm-hmm. ventilate the, the car and then of course you would get the afternoon rain ah, 
hot and my car would get soaked from the inside out. Uh, that's a much bigger whiff in Flagstaff than it is down here. Danny, I had no idea there was helicopter parking at the wigwam. That's something else I wrote down as a takeaway from the 38-second. That, that's, man, that's key. That's, yeah, that's so now, outstanding. Now when you join us out here uh, out at the wigwam at some point, I'm sure next week you know that that's an option for you transportation-wise. That's true. When I make my big entrance, now I know, I boom, I can just park right at the uh, team hotel because there is a helicopter pad there. Uh, I most definitely have mustache envy from Colt McCoy. I had to shave mine after vacation, but see, when you're Colt McCoy and you're entering your 13th NFL training camp, you can retain and and really uh, display a glorious mustache. That's well done by Colt. You know, Colt. Paul, I got a chance to talk with him about that yesterday, and uh, he was saying he must have, like, shaved that – maybe right before he's left after seeing his kids because he said that he FaceTimed them and they were like, what's on your face? Like they like hadn't seen that and that like his wife was laughing at it over FaceTime and it's not something he does every year and he said he's not sure how long he's going to keep it, but it's definitely a topic of discussion out here. There there was also two, two, not one, but two players wearing Kobe Bryant's high school jersey. I saw that. Devon Kennard was one of them. Yes, and uh, Trace McSorley was the other one. There you go. It was the lower Marion, number 33, right? Yes. There you go. See, that's my Andrew Luck photographic memory right there based on the video. Um, (laughs) Speaking of the upper lip, uh, Keontae Ingram, the Cardinals' six-round rookie running back out of USC, He's got a big-time smile. I mean, if he's if he's going to be a player in this league, he has a smile to match, does he not? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. I don't know if I noticed Keontae Ingram yesterday. I mean, I probably did. At one point uh, before the press conference, the, kind of the way things were set up, I couldn't get in my room yet, so I was posted up in a chair right by the bathroom. So I did see lots of players and said hello. I so probably Darren, said that- hello to Keontae Ingram, but... Darren, did you need your umbrella in your room? How, what's, did you have room issues? What's going on? Uh, no, it just wasn't ready by the time I was going to go in there. So there, I just okay. worked in the hotel. No big deal. Okay. Um, I know, I know Danny- a lot of people are worried about that nationally. If it makes you feel any better, I lasted one day before my key stopped working. <laughs> I forgot that like you can't keep the key by your phone, and it no. was in my purse. Yeah, and so that's... when I got to the room last night, mm. it was – not working but i did feel relieved to know that i was like the sixth or seventh person just this morning who had the same issue so it wasn't just me well it's a vast property the wigwam so you you might want to borrow a buddha baker's scooter because that was my other takeaway danny was the scooter you know if i had rollerblades or something i would have brought those there you go i mean i don't it's like the Segway. Remember when Fitz would bring the Segway to Flagstaff every year? So Buddha, you know, has the equivalent, except here in 2022, it's a scooter. At one point a few years ago, 2015-ish, there was a handful of guys uh, when we were at the other hotel that were riding around on the – remember the, uh, the little – it wasn't a Segway because you, you had a balance on it. It was really small. And it had two wheel, obviously two wheels on it, but it, I forget what it was called. But they were all riding around in the hotel on that, where you had to like balance yourself. Do you remember that little scooter? Yes, thing? it was a sort hover, of like a, hoverboard. Yeah, it was, it was like was a two wheeled skateboard. Yeah, except it wasn't. You didn't ride it long ways. You rode it horizontally. Yeah, and you had to be basically twenty five years of age or younger just to have the dexterity to ride the dang also thing. Also true. Also yeah, true. Yeah. So. 
Uh, so okay, uh, what else? Give give me give me you know if I was to give a Pauly postcard, uh, of course I'm not there. What else did I miss, guys? You know, so far, you know, as you guys near it was we near the first day of actual practice by the Arizona Cardinals at Cards Camp 2022. What else is out there that we've missed? I mean, I don't know if we've missed it, but uh, the the big thing yesterday was clearly everybody asking. Buda Baker and Zach Ertz and Cliff Kingsbury about Kyler Murray and his study habits at this point. That was that was the big takeaway, and and the fact that the press conference room was freezing cold. Well, that's the norm because that's, yeah, that's the same true. as the press box this year. That's so true. you know you got to get used to it. So yeah, and it was Zach Ertz saying basically two things: that Kyler knows the playbook better than anyone on this team was the direct quote. And then he went on to say when it comes to knowing the opposing defense that any time he asked Kyler a question, he seemed to him to be on, on top of exactly what the opponent was running defensively. But there's the, the clause in the contract, the independent study addendum. And it's there for a reason. It wouldn't be there unless it was uh, deemed necessary. And so you have this in there, and to me – for all the talk, and we've heard it the last 48 to 72 hours, obviously it's been very newsworthy. To me, Danny, it becomes another driving, motivating factor for Kyla Murray this season. Number one was the playoff loss, the team playoff loss, his playoff performance. Number two is uh, you would think he's now on a mission to prove that, guess what, this whole game prep question, uh, it's not a question. It's not a question mark on, on his ability as a quarterback his overall game prep and uh, ability to get ready for game week. And so you got to figure that uh, a guy who's all in and who's all football from all accounts now has even extra reason to excel this year. Yeah, I'd like to think that just getting the contract before it all came out about the study habits that Kyler Murray, you know, coming off that Rams playoff performance would have been motivated enough. I think what's tricky is from the viewpoint of pretty much everyone except a teammate or coach of his from how we're going to watch Kyler Murray perform this year. How are we really going to tell a difference of his performance from this year or last year? And if there is, how are we going to know that comes from the film? So I'm not sure that necessarily that's, while that might motivate him maybe internally, I think that's still going to be hard to judge of, okay, like from our standpoint, we can really tell a difference before the thing that struck me about all this and i i understand why it's a talking point and i knew as soon as it got out in the public it was going to be a talking point the thing that kind of strikes me a little bit is i feel like in some ways it's just a different way especially nationally but locally too it's just a different way to talk about the same subject that's been talked about i mean even before this came out people were wondering should he have gotten the money he did because in part like is he is he making the strides that he needs to make? Okay, maybe it wasn't specifically about the film he was studying, but, I mean, everybody was like, I, I felt like even after that Rams playoff loss, everybody was already wondering, okay, did, why was did he not look prepared in the playoff loss? How did that turn out the way it did? I Again, I feel like this puts a little finer point on it, but I feel like the subject matter ultimately was going to be talked about if Kyler struggled this year, did we really need this addendum to have people criticize him? Probably not. And if he does well, I mean, I don't know. I, I just, I, like I said, I understand why people are talking about it, especially right now when there's not a whole lot of other storylines yet in NFL camps. 
Um, but at the same time, I also feel like it was going to be a subject one way or the other, whether this was in there or not, because that's kind of been what's around Kyler anyways. And the pressure was only going to ramp up once he got his money again, whether or not you knew about this addendum. And, and speaking of, I mean, Darren, would you agree that nationally most NFL fans are finding out for the first time what Kyler said in December to the New York times? Yeah, that's, I would say that that's probably true at this point. So I I think that, that is, that is also fueled some of, the newsworthiness you of probably this. Should, you probably should clarify to our listeners what you're talking about. So the article came out around Christmas, and most people missed it at the time, but it was a feature on Kyla Murray within which he made a comment that he hasn't really relied on film study a whole bunch in his NFL career, that he sort of inherently sees things develop out on the field. And, and then you combine it with what was unsaid, that he's always been the most talented player on the field. How necessary was film work at the high school or college level? Probably not so much. He had one year as a starter in the college game, and he was the Heisman winner. Enough said that he was the number one pick overall. So here's a player who has excelled his entire career, and based on what he told the New York Times, film study hasn't been a big part of his preparation each and every week for each and every game. So uh, we knew that, though. For the last six months, we knew that. That was a known entity for those of us here in the AZ. Now around the country... They have discovered that as, as part of this story. And so I, I think that is, you know, oh, that is made for headlines. Yeah. Um, to me, Danny, this just plays into the entire offseason. Last year during the offseason, it was all about leadership and physicality, adding a J.J. Watt, adding a Rodney Hudson, et cetera. To me, this offseason is all about accountability, whether it was hard knocks, coming in at the end of the year, which I firmly believe and was my instant reaction. I was live on the air when that announcement was made, and my instant reaction was, that's a football decision. And I've heard nothing from Michael Bidwell, Cliff Kingsbury, or Steve Keim that would tell me otherwise, that they like that aspect of getting cameras into that locker room this second half of this season. I just think we've seen a lot of moves in the offseason that have been generated to try and bring an extra layer of accountability. Agree or disagree, Danny? Absolutely agree. And that's, I feel like, what needed to be addressed the way the season ended. And Zach Ertz touched on in his in his press conference uh, Tuesday afternoon, technically the first day of training camp, that, of course, everyone's mind is going to that playoff game against the Rams. But it was the last couple games of the regular season that didn't look great either. It wasn't just the team fell off on that first and only playoff game. It was the last couple weeks of the regular season. Yeah. So the fact that maybe the focus was less about the physicality on the field and more about the leadership and accountability, maybe in the locker room, that makes complete sense to me because that seems to be the driving force of how this team fell off last yeah, year. Yeah, it, it's when you start looking at, at the group and Zach and you know Zach Ertz w- did make that point that we weren't just talking about the playoff game. They didn't play the way they wanted the last few games. That the Seattle game is a great point. Like that one, I felt like the defense let them down. I mean, offensively, they played pretty well in that last last Seattle game, and they scored thirty points. Right? Wasn't it thirty seven thirty or something like that? Um, so I, I feel like there's a lot of different things there. I mean, I think they were once Hopkins went down. I don't think there's any question they were hurting in terms of where they were as a offense and guys around. Kyler. I mean, at that point, Chase Edmonds was playing hurt. James Conner was playing hurt. 
Uh, A.J. Green is A.J. Green at this point in his career. Uh, Christian Kirk is was playing fine, but he's not the guy you want to have number one, 38-30. That's what that Seattle game was. So, I mean, I, I the rant, the, honestly, guys, I mean, let, let's face it. I'd love to know your guys' reaction to this, but I feel like, and it doesn't make, you can't say, you know, it didn't happen this way. But, like, if if the Cardinals lose that Rams playoff game 27-20, to 20, I wonder how different the conversation would have been this whole offseason. Probably very different. I would think so. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I think that Seattle game you referenced, and I'm looking at my game notes right now after it, you know, Cliff Kingsbury said, among other things, and I quote, they wanted it more. See, to me, that's the sort of thing that, that's yeah. inexcusable, yeah. that when you have a division championship on the line and a home playoff game hanging in the balance, it's one thing to lose the game, it's another thing to lose the game when you didn't bring your best effort. And that wasn't the only time down the stretch. We saw it at Detroit, obviously. I mean, we needed to run an extra long set of jumper cables from the team bus to the metal bench on the visiting sideline in Detroit. That, that's how just lackadaisical things were, to use a word from Buda Baker yesterday. And then, of course, there was the Carolina loss at home that didn't have a lot of energy or intensity to it. So, once again, I think it's that accountability. What do you do? If you're the decision makers, what do you do? How do you bring that extra accountability and or motivation to keep up that energy over now a 17-game regular season? So I think some of these moves, whether it was with HBO, whether it's in the contract, I mean, in some ways, think about it. How many offensive and defensive linemen over the years, over the decades of NFL play, have had a weight clause in their contract, right? So – there are different clauses for different players. Obviously, this is unique. Um, but at some level, I think they realize what happens if Kyla Murray truly puts in uh, you know, the amount of film study that perhaps uh, Carson Palmer did back in the day, a Kurt Warner, because the Cardinals have seen it. They've seen it. Drew Stan said on the Red Sea Report that a lot of times four hours of film study would happen on a Monday. So what happens to Kyla Murray if indeed he becomes that guy? What sort of quarterback does he become? Because I think we all agree there's still a lot of potential there. And, and Darren, didn't Cliff Kingsbury pretty much say as much yesterday? Yeah, I, I do think there's potential. But again, that's, uh, that's really hard to quantify. This idea, and this is my opinion, this idea that if Kyla Murray just studies the opposition a lot more, he's going to be this – that changes everything i i think it, it could help but you know when we start talking about this stuff i mean studying the other team more doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be more comfortable standing in the pocket or you're going to be able to complete more balls over the middle or again bigger picture i think i mentioned this last week it, it, it's not going to get your receivers more open if they're not running the right routes or if they're just not creating that separation so I think it's a piece of the puzzle. I don't, I, I, that's one of the things I have an issue with this narrative. Um, not that it, again, I understand all the reasons it's talked about, but it, it makes it, after a while, it becomes this base feel that, like, that's the whole thing. If he just studied the other team's film more, everything would be different. And I, I just think that's a way too simplistic way to look at it. I agree with you. I understand maybe why some people might feel some type of way of 
that he should be doing that on his own. I can't believe that has to yeah. be written in. I can't, I but I also it. do think it's fair from what, you know, the, the team standpoint of if this is what you are asking for what you're paying, I do think that's fair to ask of that. If this is what you think might help take you to the next level. Well, I do, I do agree that how much of the film study is, is not that it's not going to make a difference, but what kind of jump is a realistic expectation in terms of, Oh, what a huge difference. And yeah. I believe it was Zach Ertz yesterday or to, when in his press conference yeah. saying that to a certain degree, if you're watching and over watching so yeah. much film, you start seeing things that yeah. aren't really there. Seeing ghosts, Sam Darnold it, you know, I, I it's funny, Paul, and you're going to remember this. Well, first of all, I heard somebody on a national thing at some point bring up the Jamarcus Russell comparison, which is totally ridiculous. And to be fair, the guy said, like, I'm not saying Kyler is Jamarcus Russell. And that's part of this is like, we're acting like Kyler Murray came out and he's had no success. And that's just bull crap. And, and the, the other thing too is, um, you know, sometimes you got to learn this stuff. Like I, I go back and Paul, you're going to remember this. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's been talked enough that it's not any big secret. Uh, when Matt Liner and Kurt Warner were here, that was the thing with Matt. He didn't study film enough. That was kind of the vibe. I think Kurt felt that way. I think that's why there were people that felt like Matt didn't take enough steps forward as a quarterback. That said, I don't know, knowing Matt Leinart's game and his physical tools, I'm not sure that if he had studied a lot more, he would have had that much more success in this league. He was who he was. That's my personal feeling on it. Well, it was a thing. You're absolutely right. I remember early in Matt's career, they got on him because he was the last one in and the first one out. And it needs to be the exact opposite when you're the franchise quarterback. And a lot of that, they said, had to do with the fact that he played at a juggernaut of a college program, USC, which we all remember they were so loaded. And every receiver he threw to was open by three yards. Yep. Where in the NFL, that window is three inches. And so, you know, he didn't need that sort of preparation in the college level at all where he stayed the extra year at USC. So that was sort of ingrained into him. So I agree we'll never know, Darren. To me, his downfall was more the fact he lost his confidence. Well, I agree with that too. You know, and a lot of that had to do with being around Kurt Warner and being around Kurt Warner in the same quarterback room where Kurt Warner could dissect any piece of game film well, you threw at him and could immediately dissect a defense and whatever blitz they were throwing at him. And, and to use a Josh Rosen word, Matt Liner a lot of times was buffering, right, in the face no, of some of these exotic I, I would blitzes. agree all that. And I yeah. would also think that and, – and I think – look, Ken Wisenhunt was a great coach for this organization and got him to a Super Bowl, and I think he married up well with Kurt – but I also think that I'm not 100% sure Ken Wisenhunt was the best coach for a Matt Liner because Ken Wisenhunt was a very much a guy who wanted to treat, in my opinion, every player the same. And sometimes quarterbacks do have to be treated a little bit differently than, you know, your run-of-the-mill linebacker. And I think Ken Wisenhunt saw it a little bit differently. And Matt Liner was definitely a, need a pat on the butt guy rather than a, you know. Yeah, kick in the rear. Kick in the rear. Now, yeah. and we're getting off topic a little bit here, but again, and, and I'm not trying to draw direct parallels here to Kyler or Matt Liner by any stretch of the imagination. Again, Kyler Murray's had a ton of success in this league already. That's the bottom line, yeah. I, and I mean, that can't be forgotten. The Jamarcus Russell is beyond absurd. I'm glad you brought that up. 
I mean, there was a there was an NFL Network replay the other day, and I just happened to watch the first five minutes of it. It was the Thursday night game against the Packers this past season. So it was Week Eight. Yeah. And Cardinals Troy were undefeated Edmund, at the time. Did you know that, Paul? Seven and zero against the six and one Packers. And Troy Aikman, I made a mental note of this. He started the telecast with Joe Buck. By the way, the two of them. You know what they said in the open? They said, "Where are you going to be at the end of next season? You're going to be right here calling the Super Bowl." Well, that was incorrect because they both <laughs> bolted for another network. That was I pretty funny. About that, yeah. That was pretty funny. But then what was really telling was when Troy Aikman is part of the intro, he started by saying Kyler Murray is currently the leading candidate for the NFL MVP award right now going into week eight. So don't give us Jamarcus Russell. When you're talking about Kyler Murray won rookie of the year, Kyler Murray two-time Pro Bowler in his next two seasons, and halfway nearly through last season he was the leading MVP candidate. Jamarcus Russell had zero success. So, but I think that's part of it, guys. Just the untapped potential. How good can he be? You know, and and, and I said this with Wolf, and we used this at times last year. We have seen him beat defenses. You know, between the ear holes, come for the arms, stay for the legs, fear the mind. If he can get to be that <laughs> wait, guy. Wait, wait, wait. Are you starting something new now? I threw that out a couple of times last year. Uh, for your, own, you know, thankfully for yourself, you weren't around when I used that phrase. But, but I did throw that out a couple of times last year. I'm not sh- saying we're all better off for it, but I'm saying that is the next step for Kyler Murray because we see the athleticism, we see the arm talent, how many analytics and metrics are out there about his top five, top ten, and a lot of the passing categories. Okay, so I mean, Jamarcus Russell had a massive arm, but he couldn't hit the side of a barn, and and so. I just think, once again, I'm going to come back to the, there's that extra layer of accountability, and now they put it in print, and there you go. Paul, I guess gonna, my question – go ahead, put, I'm going to put that as the uh, motivational quote on my whiteboard next to my desk when I get back to my office. It's better than fear the deer. I'll give you that. <laughs> That's right. We don't need any Milwaukee Bucks references after the NBA Finals from two years ago. I, I also am a little dubious that – this is going to be the storyline that keeps on giving throughout this season. America has a short attention span. This Kyler headline was barely even national news for 24 hours before Aaron Rodgers stole the show with his Con Air impersonation of Nicolas Cage. So I, I don't know, Danny. Do you think in week 10 of this year Kyler might have a poor game? Are people going to be bringing this up? Yes, because I, yes. Think, <laughs> I think people look for any reason. I think from what we've seen, it's, it's – look, when you're the franchise quarterback – you get the praise and you get the criticism. And so I think that now that national media will have this information, it gives them something to grab onto besides, you know, just whatever physically happens on the field. So absolutely, I think this is going to become a reoccurring storyline, whether that is fair or not, whether that if he does not have a good game, if you can attribute that to the film study he watched or not, I do think that this is going to be a reoccurring storyline. All right. What would you guys make of Buddha Baker's T-shirt yesterday and the words can't buy respect? That created a little bit of a stir, did it not, Darren? You, you had to clarify in a tweet? Well, once everything happened with Kyler all the time, um, I, I felt like everybody was looking for reasons to tie everything back to Kyler Murray, which was just stupid. Because Buddha even said, you know, look – uh, this is about me, and no, I don't always feel like I get the respect, and but I, you know, you got to work for it, and and 
I think Buddha is the first guy to work for. But it is kind of funny when these guys wear T-shirts that um, they they put out messages and then then they're sometimes I feel like sometimes they're surprised a little bit that people notice them. Look, I'm just gonna say my thought on this and maybe you think it's naive i just thought it was a coincidence it's a shirt he said he wears all the time do i think he like intentionally wore a shirt that said can't buy respect to the press conference he had probably not i feel like buddha baker gets a lot of respect for his play and his leadership on this team personally the way it was like the question was it the way the question was asked and people talking about it i thought it was just a a reach personally of a coincidence of wearing a shirt that he said he likes to wear a lot from a brand that he likes in it happen to be one of those things where people but, make but, something out of really nothing. I, I'm okay with saying that, but here's the deal. If you are going to be on a press conference and I, I mean, these are the things that you do. I, I, there are too many times when athletes, whether it's what they put on social media or what they wear, they are trying to say something. So you really think that it's out of bounds for somebody to think there's for, something to for, it? For a player that from what I have seen, does get a lot of respect and credit and all of that on this team. Mm. Yeah, to a pretty big degree. Yeah, but, I think that was more coincidental, him wearing here's that. The, here's the... Uh, I think he probably would have I'm not brought up the shirt himself. I'm not saying it wasn't a coincidence. I'm just saying that you're you're chastising people asking about it, and I'm just... I'm just saying, for me, it felt like a reach. See, those T-shirts... This is a podcast, Darren. I'm allowed to share my opinion. No, that's okay, right. Fine, I get it. The, the, the T-shirts are basically a modern-day inkblot test. It's what you make of it. It's. I saw it yesterday before any of the hullabaloo on, on, on Twitter. I saw it. I saw a picture of it, and I just thought, you know what? That's a message to everyone in camp. Just doesn't matter what your contract says. you got to get out there, and you got to earn that respect. Yeah, I, I didn't think much of it. I took a picture of it, and then that's why people started responding. But, again, they when you start going down like, oh, that says something. He's, he's making a comment about Kyler. I'm like, come on now. It's sort of like the old Prove It t-shirt that Adrian Wilson used to wear, right? Prove It, right? Every yeah. single day, I, yeah, Prove I don't, It. Don't, I don't need to have that argument that you and Wolf have all the time. I don't care how many days you have to prove it. But I did enjoy the Prove It t-shirts back in the day, 2008. Right. The Adrian yeah, Wilson. the t-shirts go way back. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. All right. Uh, and then in terms of trying to, uh, I don't know, earn respect or prove it in 2022, uh, Danny, nobody was really having much of the whole playoff loss being the uh, being the lesson learned that's going to keep on giving throughout this season, right? They they just sort of they, they gave everyone the Heisman on that line of questioning. Well, that's what I talked about in our podcast last week. Is you know you you have the time has passed of watching and rewatching that game multiple times, and what can you learn physically, mentally, as an individual, as a team? What can you learn from that? Do I believe when Kyler said that? It, you know, very well could be a good thing from what they learned, the way they performed and how they lost. Absolutely. But I also believe that when Zachert said in his press conference that, you know, that, that time has come and gone. You've learned your lesson and this is a new team. Every team they're playing is a new team and it's a new season. And you can't go in thinking about that. Maybe you had that as motivation throughout the off season, but that time has come and gone. And now, you know, it's it's full steam ahead and it's looking forward. And that's great. But once again, sort of like the Kyler contract thing, doesn't mean they're not going to be asked about it come December, right? There's going to be the media person who stands up in December saying, oh, geez, two years ago you lost five out of seven and last year you lost five out of six to end the season and boom. So it's going to come up again. I, 
Right, to me, the but best I, I think the time right now, I could understand that maybe if, you know, you get to the same point of where the team has collapsed consistently the last few years at the back end of the season. But I think of where we are right now, it doesn't really make much sense to keep going back to the playoff game. It, it's, an, it's a natural storyline when you're opening camp because this right. delineation. We haven't really like, talked to them. Well, and that's, I mean, I know guys talked about it. Like Buddha's talked about it in the offseason and Ertz too because those guys talk all the time compared to maybe some other players that don't talk all the time. But um, I also think that, you know, as, as you move forward, I, I'm, I'm not a fan of momentum from year to year. I just, I don't believe in that. Um, like, I don't believe in jinxes. I'm like, it's, it's one of those things where it's like there's just too much time in between. If you're really talking about a team on the rise, it's because you have players that are around and maybe have some stability. But that's not necessarily momentum you're carrying from year to year. It just means you have a good team uh, or vice versa. So, um, you know, I, I feel like ultimately I'm glad that it was a learning thing, and I, and I hope – they, they haven't gotten super specific about what they learned out of it. I mean, I know they've talked about, okay, we came out flat and that kind of stuff. I'm hoping they got some specifics that they actually could tweak. But unless they get in the same situation again when they're playing a game like that, we're not going to know what it means in, in the end. And we won't know just like when we were talking about the Kyler and if he gets better, we don't know if it's about film study. Like if they go out and lose a, another playoff game this year, we won't know if it's the same issues. We, we won't. Um, you know, I think there was a lot that went into that game last year. There was just, I think the Rams were playing pretty good football by the end of the year. The Cardinals obviously weren't anyways. I think they kind of came out flat. I think they, they let things get a little bit of sideways on them and they were a little overwhelmed on the moment. I even Kyler said the other day, it was their first as a group, their first playoff experience and Kyler's first playoff experience. I mean, that's not, you know, it's, it's nothing to freak out about unless, they don't get back to the playoffs for five more years. Then you're like, okay, you really miss an opportunity. But obviously this group is not thinking that that's what's going to happen. Yeah, the lights were bright. The stage was big. There's no doubt about it. Um, they were the only, obviously, you know, playoff game there on a, on a weekday primetime slot on that Monday night. So I, I get all that. Um, but I was encouraged to learn that they have watched the film repeatedly. Kyler said he had watched it multiple times when he did – his press conference after the contract. Buda Baker said he's watched it multiple times. and You've watched yeah, it multiple the, times, right, Paul? What's that? I said you've watched it multiple times, right? <laughs> you know what? Uh, that is one game film I did not watch. I did not watch. In fact, you know, my biggest memory from that game, other than getting down 21 nothing from the get-go, middle of the second quarter, was seeing Matt Leinard in a field box at the end of the game and chopping it up with Matt, who was in attendance. So that was the highlight, at least, of the second half of the game for yours truly. But when Buddha says that I saw a lot of, quote, lackadaisical things, uh, pregame was good, and then, as you mentioned, he used the four-letter F word flat during a playoff game. Yeah, that, that's confounding, uh, no doubt about it. Maybe they were just so emotionally spent in the pregame and they were so amped up they had nothing left come kickoff. I, I don't know, but I am at least a little bit uh, encouraged by the fact that they watched it and then hopefully learned from it and they'll implement it through the course of this season. Um and, you know, look, you talk about the Rams and look at the issues they're having right now with Matthew Stafford and that throwing elbow. What does that mean exactly? And now the 49ers have moved on officially from Jimmy G and Trey Lance is the guy, and he's a complete wild card. What's that going to mean with the 49ers? And then 
We know, with uh, all due respect, that Drew Locke and Geno Smith, Danny, are the guys in Seattle. So, to me, this division is right there for the taking, and the Cardinals have as good a shot as anyone, despite the fact this defending Super Bowl champions reside in the NFC West. Yeah, absolutely. There, there's no reason why they can't take this division and run with it. Um, I do think it's up for the taking and that if this team can, you know, live up to the expectations and the standards that they have set for themselves and what the talent they have as individuals can, you know, come together as a team and with the coaching that absolutely I think this division could be theirs. Uh, of course, the Rams did add Allen Robinson, just like the Cardinals added Hollywood Brown. And what is the latest with Hollywood Brown? Darren Urban, please, uh, if people miss that as they get ready for Cardinals Camp 2022, what's the latest with their new receiving threat? He's not going to practice at least the outset of camp because of a hamstring injury. He's on the non-football injury list, which everybody freaked out about a little bit. Like, how do you hurt your hamstring non-football? Well, that doesn't necessarily mean he wasn't training play football it wasn't running routes somewhere but if you don't do it within the context of the team whether it's off-season work or at camp or whatever uh, a team puts you on the non-football injury list it doesn't honestly it doesn't really mean make a difference what list you put them on um it doesn't save you a roster spot right now it would mean something contractually if it was so bad that he couldn't ever play before the team could you know get that money back but that's that's neither here nor there. This is just a procedural thing. Um, I mean, I don't know when he heard it. I don't know the extent of it. I'm guessing it's not super uh, a, a big problem. Um, and I would also point out that J.J. Watt hurt his hamstring during the run test last year and missed essentially all of camp. And everybody yeah. was like, why is he not back? Why is he not back? When it was fairly clear in hindsight that he – probably could have come back at some point during camp and he's just a 10-year veteran now i don't think that's going to happen with hollywood but i i totally think he's going to be back sooner rather than later all right well interesting i mean we'll and, and see the first, but yeah we'll see i mean the first open practice to the public is saturday correct so there i mean for all we know, he could Hollywood Brown could be back. Maybe he won't be back. We have no clue at this point, but yeah. we do know that fans can come in for the first time on Saturday, right? Correct. That's the back together Saturday. It's it's where the league kind of celebrates all the teams back at practice. It's the first public practice for the Cardinals, uh, you know. And again, uh, there's ten open practices for the Cardinals starting Saturday. You do need to get tickets; they're free, but you can go to azcardinals.com and find the link to get those tickets. Uh, parking's free. Obviously, lots of space at State Farm Stadium, so it'll be interesting to see what all happens. I, there's going to be a bunch of alumni at Back Together Saturday. Um, it'll be interesting. They won't be in pads yet, but uh, they'll be doing some things with spiders on, which is kind of like the light pads. And uh, it, it'll just be good to have people back in the building watching the, watching the team a little bit. Come say hi. I heard Darren's doing autographs. <laughs> you know <laughs> That's what? Good. I'm glad you brought up the autographs. As, yeah, he has uh, his own table. As that was. Um, I did because I've had people ask. Obviously, there was uh, nobody around for COVID two years ago. Last year, people were back in the building, but autographs weren't allowed. You weren't allowed to be interacting with players. We're back to normal. There will be autographs being signed by uh, players um, going you. forward. Not me. Who? Nobody wants my. Well, I thought I that's what you meant. Autographs. They're, they're going to want Danny Sarek autographs before Darren Urban autographs. Probably. I promise you that. So, so you do you do have that opportunity. Yeah, I mean, it'll be the first-come, first-serve kind of variety where you you got to hope that they come to the the, the railings and, and sign for your stuff. But 
they are available. What's up with the Eagles having one open training camp practice in the entirety of August? What about the Titans having only two open practices for their fans? I, I, I ended up looking. I think the Titans have some semi-open practices. Like, they're not completely public, but, like, they're having some of their uh, – season ticket holders be able to get in there a lot of it has to do quite frankly paul with where these teams hold their practices most of them hold them at the 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 ones that have very few open practices they're holding it at their practice facility Mm. and those places just i mean it's just like the dignity health arizona cardinals practice facility there you you can't bring people in there to watch practice so yeah um, that's that's the big problem these days okay all right Danny, what's on your radar leading up to back together Saturday, these first few practices? What are you looking at? I mean, your head's going to be on a swivel, and uh, you got a little checklist, and you're checking it twice. What are you looking for? I'm probably going to be looking more on the defensive side of the ball. I'd like to see the front seven and kind of see rotations they're doing or how, you know, those younger players are looking. Um, you know, how are they utilizing Isaiah Simmons? Does it look like Zayvon Collins is taking first team reps or calling the defense? And I know that it's early and there's plenty of time for things to change, but I think immediately that's, that's an area that really intrigues me. I want to see, I want to see all that obviously, but um, I really am curious, especially early on, I want to see what, where Rondale Moore is lining up. And mm-hmm. what kind of snaps he's getting? I mean, we all know he's going to have a big role, but what does that mean? Is he is he Christian Kirk's sequel? I mean, not necessarily the same exact player, but is he in that role? Are they doing some other different things for him? Are they going to send him down the field a little more often? Because I I do think he is a tremendous key to this offense, especially early in the season. While without DeAndre Hopkins, I think they're very much counting on Rondale Moore to be a, a big deal, and we'll see what that means. Yeah, I would agree. With all that, that secondary in particular, I, 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 intriguing to hear Buda Baker really give Marco Wilson a lot of props, right? Yesterday when he when he met the media, uh, that would be huge, obviously, for the Cardinals if Marco Wilson took that next step from year one to year two. Uh, we know that you know what he had a pretty good first half of his rookie season. Things obviously faded down the stretch, but uh, that kid has all the measurables and all the intangibles to be a really good corner in the league. We'll see. Obviously, we'll also see if there's a couple of time time signs. He hinted as much uh, last Friday after the Kyler Murray press conference in 98.7 FM Arizona Sports. There could be a couple of signings coming. What does that mean? Is there going to be an edge rusher, for example, that's coming? I tell you, I'm going to be looking for Dennis Gardeck. Just what does he look like? Can you does he look like that 2020 Dennis Gardeck? Does he have that sort of explosion? Is he making blockers look stupid? And is he able to get back to those Tasmanian devil type, you know, pass rush moves that he had? Uh, obviously, that would be huge for this defense. So, and yeah, if they're going to run out there first, second, and third team, where exactly is Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons? Is Zayvon Collins running first team? Is he running a Mike linebacker? Is he calling the defense? Isaiah Simmons. Does he pick up where he left off? Is he mainly with the DBs? You know, what exactly does that all mean? And uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's there's plenty to watch. And then, of course, that right guard position where Steve Kime added Josh Jones to the mix. I really thought it was Will Hernandez and, and Justin Murray battling for right guard. And, and Kime stopped me short and said, no, Josh Jones is in that mix as well. I mean, I'm, what do you I, think? You know, I'll be honest. I'm a little surprised about that. I thought they had gotten to the point where they felt like Josh Jones was a tackle. So I'll be curious to know how much work he actually gets at guard. Yeah, is he a guard? I mean, at his size, it just – so 
we'll see. But, but Darren, when you look at the offensive line, they need answers long-term, don't they? Everybody yeah. is in the final year of their contract except Rodney Hudson. And a young guy like Josh Jones, you figure, is going to get a lot of reps in these three preseason games. Yeah, but, but I mean, one of the guys that's in his final year is Kelvin Beecham at right tackle. And, you know, you would hope going into the third year that Josh Jones would be able to compete for that a little bit more. But if he's going to be in that mix for guard, then maybe they've already kind of settled that Beecham's going to be that right tackle, which is, I mean, that's fine. I think Beach is a solid player, but I'm sure you've got to be a little bit disappointed that Josh Jones hasn't pushed harder. Well, Red Sea, when you come out there, Bird Gang, to get inter, you know get autographs, including Darren Urban and Danny Sarek, you know, maybe get yourself one of those newfangled black helmets. And then get yourself one of those painter pens or whatever you can. That'd be a heck of an autograph. You know, the first time you guys autograph one of those new mini black helmets, that's when you know you'll have arrived, Danny. I don't mean to cut off Danny, but I'm going to just say right now, Paul, I've had the opportunity to autograph like a helmet before or a football, and I beg off of it as much as humanly possible because I'm like, you don't want to ruin this with my signature. Such a big shot, Darren. You know, Darren, okay, let's let's just go really into the trust tree right now. Okay. Is your fear that your name is, like, there next to Larry Fitzgerald or a Kurt Warner or, you know, Buda Baker, or is the fear that you're going to jack it up trying to sign your name on the surface, like a helmet or a football, because the couple of times this happened to yours truly, I'm like, I'm just not confident I can execute a, a really legible signature here that's worthy of this pigskin or this helmet. It's not as easy as, as it might seem to sign anything and everything. I, I'll, I'll agree with that, having written on helmets before, because like at our place, a lot of times, if a long-time employee leaves, we will get a helmet where all our all your, your friends at the place sign it. And even doing that, when you have some time, can be difficult. But I will say this. Your autograph should be honed by now, Paul. I mean, I don't know any kid and that would include me once upon a time when I thought I might be able to be a pro athlete, you know, when I was nine, when I, before I realized I was stupid, don't you start practicing? I, I have the same signature that I practiced when I was nine. I got a big loopy D cause I, I wanted a signature that was going to stand out if I was ever autographing anything. And that's still my, oh my signature. Gosh. You know what, for anybody listening, if anybody pulls what one fan did at the pro bowl in Vegas in February with Buda Baker and with Kyler Murray, somebody comes and they have Darren Urban autograph their hand, their arm, some body part, and then they get it tattooed, oh, I'll pay you $100. You're going to need a lot more than $100 <laughs> for somebody to do that. Really, I should yeah. offer like 50 So, So the, that's right. The guy did – was it both the signatures? Yeah. He went – the first day Buddha signed like the top of his left hand, and he went and got it tattooed and showed up the next day and had Kyler sign the top of his other hand, and he had James sign maybe his forearm. James Conner? Yes. So if anybody comes and they have Darren Urban, you what, have to was, prove though that you, you're getting it tattooed. Was was Kyler? Would Kyler have signed signed his arm anyways, or was he convinced because he already had the Buddha tattoo? I'm curious. That's just where he asked him to sign. No, but I mean, have... I just I thought maybe Kyler was like, eh, I don't know about that. Well, no, no, I I'm going to get it tattooed. That's crazy. Yeah. So if anyone does that with Darren Urban's signature, back, back together Saturday. Then uh, I will find a way to get you a hundred dollars. Let's get some. They're going to scar themselves. And you can't do it yourself. They're going to scar themselves for life. The two of you are out of the running. Hundred dollars. 
Why, why does it always come back to tattoos with me? What the hell is that about? I was going to say, you've already had enough issues. Don't get Larry Fitzgerald involved in this no. and his 3 million followers. No. My goodness. Okay. All I want to do is talk about back together Saturday in the black helmet. So I don't, I don't know where this all went exactly. <laughs> but That's what happens when see... you're not here in person, Paul. You lose total control. Yeah. We will see the black helmets at some point during camp. Don't they have to wear them yes. for like a whole week leading up to the Ravens game? Yes. You have to, you have to practice in them for a week before you – play with them at least a week so nice. but but here's the deal that that week of practice is after open practices so while i think there will be there'll be video and photos of it there will not be public practices open when they're wearing those helmets okay so so did you flex a little in the in the mailbag did you tell everyone get off me the black helmets have arrived darren did you finally get your pound of flesh in the mailbag uh not really because i i i had two dueling I, that one guy sent in something before the helmets were announced saying hey if we just get these black helmets everybody can be uh happy then in the short term even if they wanted uniforms which i appreciate and i put that in even though he sent it in before that then another guy said okay the helmets are fine but this is not what we asked for what what the hell <laughs> that's great that's right. You know, you can't please everyone all the time. No. That's uh, that's good. You know, it's uh, the old Bruce Springsteen line. You know, uh, poor men want to be rich. Rich men want to be king. It's insatiable. Everyone's appetite. They just want more. That's the so way it true. works around here. Okay. All right, Danny, any parting words as you get ready to camp? Pace yourself during the course of this training camp, okay? What do you mean? Pace yourself. <laughs> it's, it's a long preseason, even with only Cardinals three games. Camp, obviously. You know. You know, make make sure make sure that you're game ready, regular season ready, come week one against the Chiefs. I mean, Capiche? it's not Oxnard or anything, but you can say that. I never even went to Oxnard in that's all the true. years I worked for the that's, Cowboys. That's a good point. So I don't know, but thank you for the advice, Paul. We can't wait to okay. see you out here. Okay, that's that's actually just I'm reminding myself to be honest with you. So She's, she is wearing Cowboys blue today, though, Paul. This is oh, oh my <laughs> gosh. We talked about, okay, you know what? This sounds like a perfect way to wrap up a podcast. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. That is true. Yeah, that's true. Before uh, Darren gets a beat down. Uh, that's so, okay. I've, I'm sure I'm going to have many during yeah. training camp right after she, like, throws me out there to be signing autographs. That's right. You guys can do your own breakout session podcast, The Bickersons, uh, <laughs> as we wrap up this edition. Special thanks to producer Jim Alejandro. And the person making it all happen, Lauren Koval. Appreciate all the expertise and uh, figuring this whole thing out. We hope Cards. you get to ca training camp sometime, Paul. <laughs> Just keep an eye on the helicopter pad. I'll be I'll be arriving shortly. Here on Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation.